Welcome to Bros and Birdies, the golf podcast. You're here for the Abu Dhabi HSBC Yaslings preview and the preview of the Amex over on the PGA Tour. If you want to listen to our full interview with Sky Sports Golf presenter Josh Antman, then head over to Bros and Birdies, available on all good podcasting platforms, and search for Josh Antman interview. But without further ado, let's get into the preview and picks for this week's tournaments. And thank you for last week's winner, Hideki Matsuwama. Great pick. Well done. Yeah, no, good pick. Um, yeah, price was a bit short, but a win's a win. And yeah, we're, we're in profit already this season. So oh, that is well, good. That's a good start. You know, first full field events as well. You know, obviously would have liked to get the Tournament of Champions as well. But, you know, it's nice. First full field, winner, straight up. How many points um, did you place on him? So I think it was it was a three point win, wasn't it? Was it a three point win? I think it was or four point win, something like that. I can't remember no, exactly what it was, but yeah, it was uh, yeah good return. So yeah, puts us in slight profit for the year, and um, we we need to top that up with this week. Shame we didn't get any place return with the others. It was a bit disappointing, really, wasn't it? I mean, you were you were going so well in the DraftKings. I mean, <laughs> we were exchanging, weren't we, on the Sunday, and you you were in the top 200 of the $200,000 tournaments. Um, and then, you know, Cam Davis just didn't do anything. Stuart Sink fell by the wayside. You know, at one stage, I think you had two tied seconds, didn't you? You had Connors and and Kisner and everything was going really well. Thought we were going to be in the big money. Made profit on the week in the DraftKings, but yeah, it was good to be up there for so long. Oh, it was a shame because Cam Davis, you know, was actually driving it quite well the first three rounds. And then all of a sudden he was driving it like Stevie Wonder. It was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He's, he's, he's getting his balls wet left, right and centre. And, you know, that may sound enjoyable to some. But, you know, that wasn't great fun to watch from Cam Davis last week. He's here this week. He, he might play well at this uh, this tournament. But, you know, we'll get on to the course dynamics here, obviously three different courses. But let's have a recap on last week and obviously the Hideki win. And it was a what a showdown in that final round. You know, Russell Henley and Hideki were striking it so well early on and finding birdie after birdie. And then Henley towards the end of that first round. Now, five shot lead. You, you knew think? it, though, didn't you, with Henley? I mean, I'll be brutally honest with you. I, I turned... I turned the TV off and went to bed just as um, Henley was about to make his eagle on nine. And I, ca I can't believe Hideki. I mean, he didn't even make birdie on that hole. But yeah, I thought five shot lead. I thought I'll turn the phone off, go sleep, get up in the morning. Who knows? And I just had this feeling Henley was going to relinquish that lead. Uh, actually, th I, I more thought Hideki was going to come strong and he did. Um, it, they were both, as you rightly say, playing some phenomenal golf <laughs> in the first nine. No, it was, you know, that first nine in terms of ball striking, shot making, apart from probably one hole from Henley where he was a little bit off, but he was playing absolutely brilliant. But you just knew it was coming. And yeah, Hideki, he played really strong all week. Um, interesting with Hideki though is you know we, we look at the the stat angle you know every week as our listeners will know is we go through what our opinion is on the stat angle and there are so many stats out there to look and peruse over and stuff and we we give our opinion and I looked back at the stats that we finished this tournament with at the Sony last week and tried to you know really hone in on on where actually Hideki might have won the tournament. I know he won it in a playoff. That's an obvious statement. But in terms of regulation, how he got that five shots back, um, it putting, he ranked one strokes gained putting for the week. And Henley was third. So, you know, they were both right up there. But that, you know, that couple of places difference gave him that little bit edge. I think it was one... 1.816 for Matsuyama, 1.472 for Henley. So a little bit of a difference there. And then the par four performance. I think I was talking big on par four performance last week. I thought that was the differentiator at Wileye. And Hideki was um, 12 under, 
tied first, 12 under par four performance, and Henley was tied fifth, 10 under. So there's two shots on the par four performance. And then bogey avoidance, both ranked high, tied third. So I think that's really, you know, putting and par four performance for me is probably where, you know, Hideki got back in, got in that playoff. What a shot. What what did he play? Three wood for that shot into to 18, was it? Well, it was his drive that set him up. Now, oh, he, perfect he, drive. He yeah. launched into it, literally became so unbalanced. I haven't, I can't remember the last time you see, saw Hideki swing like that. It was sort of like a Bryson-esque swing Everything through, lost, lost control. And it, I think it went about 340 or whatever it was. But yeah, three wood dialed in. He'd lost sight of it because the sun was setting, the setting sun for the Japanese maestro. And he lost sight of it. But then again, you often see Hideki take his hand off his club after playing the shot. You think, oh, my God, where's this going? It ends up stiff in the pin. You think so? Yeah, he didn't really have much of an idea where he went, but he knew he hit it nice and sweet. And just to run up, you know, pitch it eight or nine feet short, run up to three feet, bish, bash, bosh. Henley's in the bunker. Sayonara. Give me the money. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I, I did. I know he was short at fourteen to one, and I, I did fancy his chances quite. You know, his performance at Kapalua was strong. That showed that his game was in a good place. And, and I know he hadn't. I don't think he'd won at Sony Open, but he's not played. You know, terrible there in in recent occasions and stuff. And I just thought his game was in the right place. And yeah, great, great win for Hideki. He's certainly going places, isn't he? As I said in 19th Hole News, what, 17 wins now globally um, in his career? Well, two wins already in this uh, this current season. Yeah, obviously. So, yeah, yeah, two wins high up on the the, the FedEx points ranking already. He's, yeah, it's going to be interesting one. You know, we know he can disappear now and then and courses don't fit and you know perhaps doesn't strike it as well but you know he's let's not forget he's only 29 you know those tournaments that you just mentioned you know his, his ability to win a tournament to see off a tournament and he's still maturing then you know it's great for japanese asian golf um obviously we know the asian women have you know dominated lately on the um on the women's circuit oh, absolutely but, you know, for, for Hideki and obviously Kaita Nakajima, who we mentioned last week in the pod, you know, he's, he's one to look out for this Japanese amateur coming over. Young lad made the cut, made a lot of birdies. I think he finished top 20 or maybe top 30. I can't remember. But yeah, um, it was it was great. Great shout out for um, Eric Van Royen. Great finish to his tournament. Um, I think he eagled the 72nd hole that season well he's jetted off and he's playing in Dubai this week um, a very different type of course which we'll get to later but yeah again well done mate well done on the pick it's nice to get a winner under the belt so early in the season and let's roll on now talking points yeah uh, talking points from this week one major one and actually as you rightly pointed out during a week in during a week it's only it's only early on in the week but we've had many conversations post the golf tournament um Kevin Nahr, Grayson Murray, bit of a Twitter feud going on. Little bit of a one, wasn't it? I mean, I think, again, you can't help but think Kevin Nahr getting involved in in that. He didn't really need to, to be honest with you. He could have been the bigger man. He's play, he's in the middle of a golf tournament. Grayson's not. Um, I, I think he lost his focus. And, you know, he, he was playing so well. It obviously got to him in his head. And he didn't feature over the weekend, really. Um, and I think he finished tied 20th in the end. And he, he kind of lost his way a little bit. But yeah, what? I mean, we seem to be having this in pro golf at the moment, don't we? It's, whether it's Twitter or another social media platform is the, the sledging. It's like it's something that we see in cricket or have seen over the years in cricket. Haven't seen too much of it in golf, but it's real. It's come to real prominence. It's it's quite astounding, actually. Um, well, do you think it's do you think it's Pip related, or is it just a coincidence with with Pip being around at the moment? And you know, I'm not sure. Kevin you know, Kevin Nar tweets, and you know, he's a bit on Instagram and what have you. And and Grayson Murray's obviously had his issues, and has never been backward in coming forward with his opinions. You know, obviously a supporter of Donald Trump and whatever your political. Um, side in is it's he's very vocal 
about that side of his, his life political um, preferences. So, he, he, do you know what? He shoots from the hip. Um, no pun intended. No, the um, Republicans do favour the um, the gun <laughs> laws. But, yeah, no, he shoots from the hip, says what he feels. It, do you know, at the end of the day, it, I actually thought Kevin Nahr came worse off. Not only, as you rightly put it, may have affected his golf um, through the latter part of the tournament, but also the fact that he had a dig at, um, at missed cuts for Grayson Murray, which, yeah, we know is there, but we know the issues um, that may have caused his spiralling down the world rankings of the golfing world, obviously his, his drinking issues and mental health issues. And we had it with Matt, Matty Wolf last um, last year. And, you know, he's, his form sort of dipped and he said, look, he's having problems. You know, is it, you can have a, you, I think you can have a, a, a bit of a, a grown up arguments or discussion or Twitter debate, whatever you want. But I think you just need to choose your words wisely now, um, nowadays. I think it's very easy to, to cause some damage to someone um, without thinking about it. I think so. I, I think what made last week worse as well is the number of people that jump on the bandwagon. Um, I, I think I made I made a comment on Twitter. I, I won't hold back, and I just felt that some of the comments being aimed towards Grayson Murray around his problems and stuff were were a little bit OTT. Um, and and I got a couple of replies back and stuff. But you know, to to anybody out there that's listening, is you know. I think people do, to your point, people need to be very careful about what they are publicly saying, especially when people have had issues, Um, because, you know, this is about humanity. It's also about, you know, everybody's got to be fair to one another, be kind to one another, but it can cause wider issues. And, And I just think this kind of trolling on social media is just, you know, is uncalled for. Yeah, you can have a little bit of healthy banter as long as it's that um but didn't you also say brooks kepka got involved in this as well didn't he make some yeah comment? yeah he sort of applauded kevin nah on his tweet um against grayson murray now grayson murray did turn around and said um a lot of pros have said uh, the same sort of stuff about slow play on the greens and certain players you know so it's obviously well known on tour and we've heard it before about kevin nah you know he can he can run he can run to collect his ball from the bottom of the hole as, as quick as he likes he can run as quick as Usain Bolt but if he's taking three minutes to get it there then um, there's an issue. You I think know? It's, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's the impact it's having on other players. I think I read something about. I mean, fancy Taylor Gooch's chances last week, but I think he was probably impacted. Um, by the nature of slow play and you know he, he didn't feature so I think again he finished tied 27th I think Taylor Gooch did last week and you know didn't have a, a great weekend shot all four rounds sub 70 but you know again you've got to look at that there are some players that like to play quick and it shouldn't be a part of the game I, th- I think the 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 people you know running the tournaments and the referees on, on the course you know um need to take a, a tougher stance with slow play and and get it speeded up and and that's probably the end of it but yeah it's um that was the big talking point outside of the golf tournament last week for me well okay well you know i want to stay on that topic of um you know who you're playing with might affect your game because we're going to get over and we're going to talk about the Amex on the PGA tour this week over in California and it's a pro am um, not defined as a pro-am tournament like that Pebble Beach is, but it's it is a pro-am, and it, you know who these some players enjoy playing with these amateurs. Um, some players are a bit more sociable and what have you. You see that in in form at pro-ams, whether it be Pebble Beach or Amex, and, or even the Dunhill Links, maybe European tour players coming over and what have you. Um, like so Billy Horschel loves to play in the pro-ams. He's he's always said that. Um, likes mixing it up with the amateurs, so yeah, it's going to be interesting this week. But before we get on to that, let's um, let's talk about the courses. And um, we've got the stadium course, obviously. We have got the Nicholas Tournament course and La Quinta Country Club. The PGA West Stadium course is the host, isn't it? Now they play twice there, finishing the seventy-two holes 
on the stadium course, once at Nicholas Tournament Course and once at La Quinta. Tell us a little bit about these courses. Yeah, so uh, I haven't delved too deep into them. I think anybody that really has followed this tournament over the years will know, um, you know, the, the structure of the courses, that they're fairly easy scoring courses. Every one of them is a past 72. Um, we've got La Quinta, which is just a shade over 7,000 yards at 7,060. We've got the Peak Dye Stadium course, PGA West, which is 7140. And we've got the Nicholas Tournament course, which is 7181, the longest one of the three on the rotation. They're all Bermuda grass courses. Um, in fact, the stadium course has got water on seven holes, which I think was kind of designed to emulate sawgrass. Um but yeah, it, it's certainly taken over, hasn't it, in terms of the, the main course? Because wasn't it the Nicholas course used to be the main one a few years ago? And remember, this was formerly the Bob Hope Classic. Been around for years. Um, in actual fact, used to be held over a five-day event covering 90 holes. Did you know that? Do you remember no, that? I did not know that. Yeah, no. used to be. Well, back in the day when you know Mickelson was mopping up and stuff. But yeah, it used to be uh, five days starting on the Wednesday, a 90-hole tournament. And then they changed it a few years ago um, to cover these three courses. In actual fact, last year, they didn't have this structure because of COVID. They only actually played the Peak Dye Stadium and the Nicholas Tournament. And it wasn't a, uh, no amateurs played in the event. It was it was just pros. So obviously COVID, COVID impacted. But as I say, par 72, all of them. So that's your traditional um, par fives, four of them par threes, four of them, and then 10 par fours. So we, we know a lot about, you know, these courses and comparable to the likes of TPC Summerlin, um, Scottsdale, which is coming up in the waste management uh, in a few weeks time. And also the, the event that was played at the back end, which I think was at Keen Trace Golf Club, uh, certainly um, courses that I think are, are probably comparable to this, but it's certainly, um, you know, that there's no course with the exception of maybe the stadium course, which has got obviously water on it on the seven holes that I referred to. It's not really um, a, a course or a set of courses where you're going to be penalized for being wayward. You know, that these are, you know, desert courses, easy to get birdie fests. And yeah, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. Just a, a little bit more in terms of the, the courses. If you look at the uh, at La Quinta, we've got, of the par threes, they range from 168 to 206 yardage. And three of them are actually greater than 200 yards. So that the par threes at La Quinta probably play a little bit more challenging. Um, of the par fours, and there's 10 of them, there are six that are greater than 400 yards and four that are sub 400. And then the par fives range from 516 to 547. So definitely gettable. Uh, in today's standards for a lot of these pros and I would expect the par fives to be absolutely obliterated this week similar sort of structure on the other two courses as well Craig with um, the Nicholson Stadium courses on the par threes ranging sort of 165 to 225 um, and then the only difference on the par fours is the Nicholas course has got eight of the par fours that are greater than 400 yards so again, par fives, you know, definitely in range and easily scorable. So that's what I know about these courses. Have you got anything different? Yeah, well, not different. It's just add-ons, really, in the sense that the PGA West, the stadium course, you know, Pete Dye, people have described it as Raymond Floyd called the course spiteful and hateful. Tom Watson said he was sick and tired of Dye's radical designs. It requires you to execute shots that no sane golfer should ex be expected to play. That's what Tom Watson said. Wow. And then um, what, what, there was a fate, what was it? Los Angeles Times columnist Jim Murray wrote, you need a camel, a canoe, a priest and a tourniquet to get through it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And there was a California native once said, playing the PGA West was like working through the stages of grief. <laughs> So there's just a few ideas about this course. But Ram turned around and said, you know, it's you've got to be accurate off the tee because of the small greens. Lefty and Tony Finau have said, oh, I like to bomb it, you know, allow myself a wedge, you know, because the rough's not too bad. Yeah. And 
But we know it's going to, they're going to have easier pins there this week because of the amateurs. They always do. So these players can attack this course. But I, I, I truly feel that you still have to be quite accurate. And now you mentioned the par threes, the PGA West Stadium course. You know, three of the par threes are ranked as the toughest par threes in 2021 on the whole of the PGA circuit. So, you know, I think you'd be looking for a good par three ball striker this week in the tournament. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I truly feel you, you've got to keep it in play. And because the pins are going to be accessible, it doesn't really matter for these pros, whether you're taking a, a six iron or an eight iron into some of these greens. If the pin is accessible, it's accessible. These guys have got the ability to target these pins. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I, I can't, I'll really look forward to it, actually. You know, again, it's going to be difficult with the time zone. Um, but obviously, countering that this week, we've got um, Abu Dhabi, which is great for our time zone, really. So um, we can watch that while we're working. But, yeah, that's what I have for the course. Um, I reckon we get straight on to our picks. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, well, fire away, seeing as you have the honour after the winner. Okay, okay, okay. Right, here we go. Um, so, yeah, we're on Amex, aren't we? Sorry, I had the wrong sheet. Um, right, okay, first pick this week. Now, this was an interesting one, and, and I have analysed this one um, a little bit. The only thing we didn't say is kind of what our stat angle looks are. So I'll kind of touch upon that in terms of going through the picks. Um, and that's probably my first place to start. So I've really focused my picks on, and I did add driving accuracy in at the end, Craig. I know you said um, you, you probably do need a little bit of driving accuracy. So even though I said it's not that penal for the wayward, I've actually looked a bit more at the last few years stats and added that one in. So driving accuracy, uh, strokes gained approach, birdie or better, par four efficiency greater than 400 yards, par five performance, and strokes gained off the tee. So they're my main angles, and I shortened my picks down to, uh, I think there were six players I came down to, so I've gone with three. My first one is a player I referenced probably about 10 minutes ago, um, really fancied the chances alongside Hideki Matsuyama last week. Uh, probably got bogged down by the Kevin Nar situation, as I think he was playing with him. But Taylor Gooch at 20-1 to 1 in the without market, and just to be clear, because we've got it out of paddies this week, is the without market is Cantley, Rahm, Connors and Scheffler. And I think it's brilliant that we're getting a bit of value this week because I think those players are going to feature... So I can get 20 to 1 on Taylor Gooch and I can get five places, quarter of the odds, quite enticing. But mm. Taylor's stats angle for me, absolute ripper, banger, Aussie terminology. It's like he is just hitting a lot of these stat angles for me. And I'm not going to read them all them out but because it gets a little bit boring. But certainly in terms of my look, that that's where he's really triggered. His form in the current season has been impressive no doubt about it whatsoever he's featured highly in a lot of tournaments he's backed it up by playing really well with his stat angle um but more importantly he doesn't have kevin nar to contend with this week so uh, my first pick <laughs> is taylor gooch 20 to 1 in the without market what about your very, first very good like it well my first is it's going to be an obvious obvious pick it's patrick canley um, and, and solely, and you talk about stat angles and whatever. So for this tournament, I'm looking at players that have played well, not just in the Amex Pro-Am, but also in the likes of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am as well. So it shows me they like mixing up with the amateurs and they're comfortable playing that scenario. Um, another thing is course form. And I don't... Okay, yeah, I know you need to pay attention to Nicholas Tournament course and, and the Quinta. But for me, it's a stadium course I focus on because they play two rounds there and finish up. So you need to be comfortable on that stadium course for me, especially when you're closing the, the tournament out. You've got 18 holes remaining of the 72, and they're at this course. Now, Patrick Cantley, when he finished um, second last year, beating one stroke by Siwoo Kim, he shot a 61. Of course, he played the stadium course the day before 
and shot a 65. So th- that shows to me that he loves it. Absolutely loves it around the stadium course. And that's all I needed to know. I know, I know he's short. He's 15 to two. I think it is. Is that yeah, right? That's correct. Yeah. And obviously, you know, this is in the straight markets. He's, he's in the outright um, without market. And I've got a couple of picks later. But Patrick Cantlay, my first pick, 15 to two, seven and a half to one. Yeah, okay, strong pick because I do think he'll feature this week. He's certainly playing some good golf and no reason why he can't continue that at a tournament that he clearly likes. Okay, Um, my second pick this week. So, finished fourth here last year. Um, Has had a really good last season. Um, So, he finished fourth here last year. He finished tied 14th the year before when it was... Um, I think it was last on the rotation, wasn't it? Because last year they, they reduced it with no amateurs. But Tony Finau is striking the seven markers of my stat angles. Um, he is, you know, certainly up there in terms of strokes gained off the tee, birdie or better. I think he's ranked number one. Um, ranked number three, GIR fringe. Seventh, strokes gained approach. Tied second, par four performance. And up there in... You know, he's tied fifth par four performance in the range and also on the par threes, which you talk about, he's inside the top 20. So, you know, certainly, and and those were stats based on last year's Amex, right? So if he brings that to the table this year, he can feature highly again. He's not been striking it out the park this year for what he's actually played already in terms of the 2022 stat angle. But... You know, he didn't play last week. He had a tied 19th at the Century Tournament of Champions. This is a, a tournament that he clearly likes to say fourth last year. And, you know, Finau is playing some really good golf. And I think he can feature. I like the price of him. I th- uh, what am I getting? I'm getting 18 to 1. No, sorry, 16 to 1 in the without market. So it's not massive. But I had 14 to 1 on Matsuyama. And I think Finau can feature. You're backing it up. We can't lay. We've got Gooch. We've got some top players in at the top market and I'm sure we're mm-hmm. going to go for some bigger prices as well. So yeah, Tony Finau, second pick. Tony. No, I like him. Yeah. He feels, he looks, always looks comfortable when he's playing a pro-am. Um, he's so chilled out, isn't he? I don't think having an mm. amateur is ever going to affect him. So yeah, it's great to see. And it's an interesting, um, you know, when I've been looking through the stats and whatever, it's a shame Grayson Murray wasn't here this week because he actually has played quite well over the years at the Amex. Um, but he was actually on the KFT um, tour, which I don't think's finished yet. I think it's still going. It started Sunday, their first tournament, and he missed a cut. So um, perhaps Nar will treat about tweet about that later. Um, right, my second pick is a jock. He's a Scotsman. It's Russell Knox, a Scotsman living in America. Well, Does he talk yeah. like an American as well now? So is, I think he's Scottish through yeah, yeah, Russell Knox. He's you don't know what he's played well around here. He he finished tied sixteenth or top twenty anyway last year. Shot sixty four on the stadium course. Um he's made the cut in the last few years playing the Amex. I like what he did in the eighteen T Pebble Beach Pro-Am when he finished top 10. Um, so that shows that, you know, he, he doesn't mind playing the Pro-Am, likes it around here, likes the stadium course. I like where he is with his game. He played well last week. Um, so for me, Russell Knox, second pick. And I think he's a bit he's a bit of value in this without market. And, you know, obviously you can pick. So I, I believe he's around about 70 or 80 to 1 in a normal market. But what is he in the without market? He's 45 to 1, um, which, again, 45 to 1 is decent. I, I would have expected him to probably be a little bit higher. You know, for the, the last four years that he's played the tournaments, he's finished inside the top 40 three times, uh, inside the top 20 twice. So, you know, he's not been you know a running candidate for a win. Um, but 45 to one in the without market again, you know, you have to look at this. He, he gets fifth and the other four finish in the top four. You got a winner at 45 to one. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an obvious statement, but you, you know, with Russell Knox, he can throw in a really good tournament at, at a place like this 
where it's pro-am, effectively relaxed. He loves this part of the world as well, you know, and he can throw in a win. And there's no reason why he can't perform. So, yeah, I like his chances. Well, last week, last week, it's the weekend shot 64-65 to finish tied seventh Mm. last week. You know, he's he's striking the ball well, likes it around here, like you say. And yeah, okay, he's my second pick. Excellent, excellent. Right, okay. My third and final pick for the Amex is a player that I tweeted on a few weeks ago when people were asking for... Uh, the one player that they thought would come to prominence in this current season, and certainly someone who's maybe coming off the Corn Ferry Tour. Now, um, decent price on this guy, and I haven't really, I haven't really made a lot of notes about him. My pick this week. Sometimes these picks go on gut. And, you know, he's certainly coming off the Corn Ferry Tour playing well. He's actually started the current PGA Tour season strongly enough. He had a tied 8th at the RSM, a tied 17th at the Sandersons, and a tied 24th at the Shriners. So, again, all relatively easy scoring tournaments. And at 75-1... to for a player that I think is going to have a good season and come to prominence, it's Taylor Moore. Um, I like that price about this guy, and I think he can have a, a really good tournament this week. Was that Taylor, T-A-L-O-R? It's No, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, not like oh, okay. Gooch. Yeah, so. Oh, is it? Oh, it's Gooch that's T-A-L-O-R. It is, yes. Ah, so, yeah, 75 to 1, Taylor Moore. A golfer that I think is going to have a good season. All right. Nice one. Like it. Right. My third pick is, for you EastEnders fans, Ricky! It's Ricky Fowler. We know you love a bit of Fowler. I do love a bit of Fowler. Robbie Fowler when he played for Liverpool. Happy days. But yeah, Ricky Fowler. Come on. You know. All right. He should have perhaps won more tournaments in his career. Um, I don't know. When we last, his last one, what in the waste waste management, the Phoenix Open, um, twenty nineteen. So it's been a while. I get it, right? I understand it. But last year he showed a bit of form, did he not? You know, especially twenty first, yeah. And he came well, he's tied twenty first in this tournament, and he came back quite strongly, didn't he? After a bit of a period in the doldrums, yeah. Yeah. Well, his eighth in the PGA Championship was a great effort. As well, he, he he has shot low scores around here um, before. I think sixty four he shot in twenty twenty. Yeah, I believe. I think it was in sixty six. Uh, do you know what? It's just there comes a time. You know, Spieth disappeared briefly and then came back. When someone's got that talent, like Ricky Fowler has got, you know, when he strike, he can strike that ball as bet as, as well as anybody. We know that. We get it. He likes this part of the world. He's a chilled out guy. He's played well at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Doesn't mind playing with amateurs. I think in the without market, I think 35 to 1, you'll back me up with that one. 35 to 1, yeah. I think Ricky Fowler, 35 to 1 in the without market, he will give you a hell of a run for your money. You can back him in a normal market if you like, because I think if Ricky's game is on song, then there's no reason why he can't fight it out with the likes of Rahm and Cantlay and Scheffler and what have you. Well, I say Scheffler. Scheffler hasn't won yet, has he? So let's 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 just say Rahm and Cantlay for now. Um, yeah, he's my third and final pick for the Amex, Ricky yeah, Fowler. I like that. I like them. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I mean, I said I had a shortlist earlier on and I had to like whittle it down, but... You know, my, my shortlist started with the likes of Lucas Glover, Michael Thompson, who had, you know, he's had a, a good, um, certainly a good tournament last week. And he's someone who, you know, he's coming into form, it, the beard that he's now got, it, you know, it almost looks like David Bellamy. He's, um, you know, certainly playing some really good golf. But yeah, I've had to scratch them because I just, I had a better case for the other golfers. And um, Christian Bezadenhout was also on that list as well. So, yeah, hopefully I'm not going to kick myself, but I'm I'm going with conviction and sticking with Tony Finau, Gooch, and Taylor Moore. Well, do you know the most impressive um, factor of the past 
35 minutes or 30 minutes has been your pronunciation of Christian Bazoon. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Because you well can't done. say it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I would have picked him if I could say it, but I can't. For the, uh, I actually, I used to have someone that worked for me with the same surname. So it was. Um, oh, easy, now easy it comes say. out. Exactly. Yeah. All well, the secrets. Oh, there you go. Right. Okay. Well, there are picks for the Amex. Mine were Cantley, Russell Knox, Ricky Fowler. That's Cantley outright, Russell Knox and Ricky Fowler in the without market. And the without market was without Rahm, Cantley, Scotty Scheffler and Corey Connors. And yours were? Finau, Taylor Gooch and Taylor Moore. In the without market. All in the without market, yeah. Okie dokie. Well, let's jump over, yabba dabba do to Abu Dhabi for the Yaz Links Golf Course. Oh, so looking forward to this tournament this week. This course looks absolutely amazing. Oh, my God. Does it? Like, the research that I've done this week and watching countless YouTube videos of, of vloggers playing the course and just getting a glimpse of this beauty, you know, years and years in the making and it looks more like a link course than some of the links courses. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Someone described it as sort of saying, I, "I'm taking a little bit of Scotland and putting it right in the middle of Abu Dhabi." It's well, it's not in the middle of Abu Dhabi, but you, you know, the, in the Middle East, it's yeah, it's crazy, and and we're going to have some interesting wind this week. We know, you know, from. However many, how many years was this tournament? It was 16 years it was played at Abu Dhabi Golf Club, which actually, um, when I was working in Abu Dhabi a few years ago, I actually took the time to go and visit the Abu Dhabi Golf Club, you know, with the uh, the impressive um, clubhouse and, you know, just had a, a walk around 9th, 18th and just, you know, just to take it in because you've watched it on TV so much. So I'm disappointed that it's not gonna be there anymore but i'm just as excited for this new course and this tournament and and what it's gonna present you know it, it, a real challenge yeah a, a mix of, of links golf um yeah and just a challenge i mean you know we'll we'll get to talk a little bit more in a couple of minutes about the actual course layout but yeah it looks impressive well Great let's challenge. talk about you, you mentioned the weather briefly mm. let's discuss that because that is going to play a hell of a part in the early rounds of this tournament. Now, Thursday, you know, it may well change, but what's happened is that as the week is progressing, it's it's changing for the worse for these players in terms of wind strength. Now, on Thursday, the early starters will probably get the better of it. Probably, maybe. You're looking at six miles per hour, seven miles per hour for the early starters. And the later starters will be playing in 13, 14 miles per hour. And obviously gusts may be different. But those early starters on the Thursday will be playing in 25 mile per hour winds without the gusts in the afternoon. And 18 mile per hour winds for the early starters on the Friday. So it's going to, I don't think there's much of a draw bias. If anything, I would probably say you want to be starting off on the Thursday in the morning on this course, getting a feel for it while the winds are not so strong. Get your game going. But that's the only bias I see. But this course could be a monster with that sort of wind. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've seen so many holes like you referred to, you know, we've watched a few videos and, and they were brilliant of, you know, the golf course actually being played and you get a chance to see the contours of the green, the, you know, the, the rolling nature of the fairways, but more importantly also how close it is to the water. And there's a lot of these holes that, you know, run alongside the water line. And I think that's going to be challenging. And, and I think the winds, Again, having not been there, I can't see which direction it's going to come in from. We know that from the forecast, it's a northwest wind, but I don't know how that's going to affect some of these holes. So maybe the driving um, is going to be really tough on the Friday for a lot of these golfers. And I don't know what um, websites you've been looking at for the weather, but I was looking at reports of maybe early 30 miles per hour winds on the Friday throughout most of the day. So, yeah, certainly interesting. Maybe make your score on a Thursday morning when the conditions are going to be a little bit lighter 
um, and take your medicine on the Friday afternoon, I think maybe is the uh, the plan of attack that's got to be. So, yeah, that could be interesting. And well, then I, at the weekend, it, it looks a bit calmer, doesn't it? Maybe it, Saturday it a little bit. Still but. 11, you know, 12 mile per hour winds. But you're looking at those early starters on, um, on Thursday over in Abu Dhabi. And I'm looking at them now. You're looking at the likes of... We got Daniel Van Tonda hits it a long way. He's playing Rosner's out there, Scotty Hend, um, Justin Harding. You know, some of the bigger names are not go. Oh, no, we got Rory McElroy with Westwood and Hatton. What a three ball that'll be! That's going out at 7 30 in the morning. So, Thursday. yeah, yeah. Oh, um, interesting. yeah, that is interesting. Starting on the 10th hole at 7.30 in the morning. And players that will be going out and suffering the worst sort of the wind. And I was saying, you know, we're guessing a little bit because we don't really know, but it's, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking down the list. There's like John Catlin, he's going out. Our good old friend, Dean Burmester, Colin Montgomery out there with Adrian Oust. Jesus, he'll be a few, um, a few yards behind him, won't he? <laughs> Just a few. Bless him. Good old Colin. I'm looking for um who we got? We got where's Morikawa? When's he going out? Can't see his I can't see his name anywhere. Now is is that no, there he is. Yeah, he's going out in the afternoon. Yeah, of course, teed up with Victor Hovland and Tommy Fleetwood teeing off on the first hole at midday or just before midday. So they're going to have the win tough, those boys, and it's going to be an interesting tournament to watch. Now, the course itself, you know, you can't see. So, you know, there's such, such, it is like a, a Lynx course, as we mentioned. You can't actually see some of the bottom of the pins due to the undulations and the, the runoffs and the bunkers, you know, although they're not pup bunkers, they're proper bunkers. They've got, yeah. you know, stiff old lips, stiff upper lip, stiff upper lip, and a bit of fescue. Now, you never think, you know, you see in a, in a desert land. But the way this course has been manicured and designed, the Middle East have a proper Lynx course. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's going to be an absolute spectacle of a first tournament being played at this course for the Abu Dhabi HSBC Really, really looking forward to it, as I've already said. I think um, the other thing as well, Craig, is, you know, what having watched those videos is uh, you've, got, you've got to appreciate as well is you've never been to that part of the world. But, you know, the wind gusts, while she might have a forecast for it, it can pop up at any time in this part of the world. And that's, you know, the other aspect is this is on Yaz Island. Um, you know, so you're definitely going to get more of it you know, off the water. Uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. The other couple of things as well, I don't know if you noticed, you got you get a lot of planes flying low coming into Abu Dhabi International Airport coming over this part of um, Abu Dhabi, which could be off-putting for a few players. You know, if you, it's really kind of low-flying, heavy sound. You've also got the backdrop of the Formula One track, Ferrari World as well. You know, there's a lot of potential distractions for those players that tend to have their concentration wandering. So it, there's a few new elements added to this golf course, which is certainly going to make it interesting. Well, I know the players, you know, look at their Twitter accounts and all social media accounts. They're really excited and looking forward to it. And it's, um, yeah, I'm so glad. You know, DP World Tour first event on a great golf course. With an $8 million fund. Oh, I nice know, little right? pot to start off, eh? No wonder Colin Morikawa's over here. Jesus, don't blame him, really. But there you go. Right, well, let's bang on into the picks then. Yeah, oh, just before we do, it's a par 72, by the way. Um, just a shade greater than 7,400 yards, so it's long. But the other key factor as well, I think people need to be aware of, is there are five tee boxes for each hole. So they can vary the length, the yardage on each hole, depending on the weather conditions as well. So maybe on the Friday, they might you know shorten up some of the holes and stuff to not make it as tough. But yeah, it's certainly you know a long enough course. We've talked about the undulating greens and they're huge. The greens are huge as well in volume, which is it's mm. just going to be really place an emphasis on accuracy 
for me um, in terms of the stat angles. So just to be clear before we get into the picks, my stat angles, and you can add to it, I'm, I'm definitely looking at scrambling this week without a shadow of doubt. I'm definitely looking at sand saves, um, putting premium on putting this week without a shadow of doubt as well. Airplane avoidance. avoidance. Airplane avoidance. Airplane Noise. avoidance. <laughs> have your have your cotton wool in your ears. Um, you know, players that have played well in links style formats, um, and also players that have played well in wind as well. So you know, windy conditions. So it's kind of there's been quite a few things to look at this week, and it's made it very interesting in terms of whittling down to the picks. No, super. No, it's yeah, it's great. My my stat angles very much like yours. A lot of scrambling. Um, nice and straight, but players that can play a links course quite well. That might be the, like a Dunhill links winner or someone that's played well up yeah. there. Someone that's played a lot of links golf over the years, and someone that's won an Open at Royal Port Rush. He might well be on my list, but we'll find <laughs> out right now. So I'll go first. Go on, Shane. Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry, for me, he's, he played a lot better at the end of the season, last season. is so at home on a Lynx course. Now, I've walked around Royal Port Rush, and when I was watching the videos of Yaz Lynx, I was seeing so many similarities in some of the holes and the shapes and the undulations and the bank sides and the bunk placement and what have you. That I thought, okay, this is going to fit the eye of Shane Lowry. He's going to feel right at home. Obviously, slightly warmer than it was at Royal Port Rush that time. But, you know, Shane Lowry, I think he's 20 to 1. Um, I think it's a decent prize for an open winner. And he's my first pick. Yeah, and you nicked him off me. In fact, Shane Lowry was in my top two in terms of what I'd whittled down. I, I think, you know, he's certainly got the game to play here. I mean, it it will remain to be seen whether it really does play like a true Lynx style tournament. But we know Shane Lowry has got the game to play Lynx. He's got the, he loves this part of the world. He's performed, you know, highly in Abu Dhabi and in Dubai in the past. So he's clearly been able to manage, you know, gusty wind conditions that can pop up from time to time. But yeah, I, I think yeah, he's a solid, solid first pick. Loves this part of the world, and it's early in the season. You can probably get a good price on him, like twenty to one. Interestingly enough, we haven't yet seen a market for without the Abu Dhabi uh, HSBC. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that one, see whether Paddy Power pop one up or not. But yeah, twenty to one outright, and that outright is eight places quarter of the odds. So yeah, like that pick, bro. Ah, thank, well, if he wins, I'll dedicate it to you. Thank you very much. All right. Okay, right. I'm going to go with my first pick, and it, it matches Shane Lowry in terms of the, I guess, the characteristics, the kind of the fit. Um, you know, he's, he's not a burly Irishman like um, Shane Lowry is, but he's burly enough, and he's got attitude, this guy, and he's got the game. And he... He's a previous um, high performer in the Dunhill Links. I think he was tied second in the Dunhill Links last year. He actually won the Abu Dhabi Championship last year at the old course. Um, absolutely loves tough, windy conditions. Is a good ball striker, a very, very good ball striker. Um, and it's Till Hatton. I think, you know, if all his other high ranking finishes last year, um, you know, we're in Scotland or Dubai. And and for me, that's where you bring it. And I think he's going to have a big week till Hatton this week. And yeah, Larry and Hatton were the first two on my team sheets. All right, you can take out Rory and, and Colin Morikawa because they're just, you know, top of the range class players. And they're going to feature, no doubt. But I like Hatton. I like him a lot. And at 22 to 1, he's my first play. Nice, yeah. Like Tyrrell. Let's hope he keeps his anger in check. Um, my second pick is a fellow Englishman, fellow Englishman to Tyrrell Hatton. He's Danny Willett, Masters winner. And I just, you know, I like the way he's played the Dunhill links in the past and what have you. And he seems to be quite comfortable on a links course. Um, for me, he could have played better last season, really. But you look at some of the stuff on social media and what have you. 
and some of the interviews he's done over the closed golf season and what have you, he's ready to go, ready to go again. I think it, it took him a while after that Masters victory to really sort of comprehend what had happened to him. Um, having a green jacket hanging up in your wardrobe certainly makes a difference uh, to your golfing career, obviously. But I think he's, I think he's growing up. He's, he's, he's in a good place right now. And I think this course will suit his eye. And I think Danny Willett, he's 66 to one. I think it's a really big prize for him. It's a decent price, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for someone who won the Dunhill, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really big price for Danny Willett, I think this week. And if he comes in, God, be laughing, laughing all the way to the bank. I tell you, bro. Yeah. The HSBC bank, who's one of their sponsors this week for the um, Abu Dhabi (laughs) championship. Um, Right. What's your next pick? Okay, right. My next pick. So, a player that's ranked, let's see if you can figure this one out, ranked 59th in the world rankings at the moment, has an absolute liking for golf in the UAE. He was tied 8th in 2020 at the old course, the Abu Dhabi Golf Club. Um, Tied 2nd at the Aviv Dubai at the fire course. Tied 6th at the Dubai Desert Classic. Won the 2021 Denmark, the Himmeland. Uh, was second at the Omega Euro- European Masters when probably should have won it and was fifth at the BMW International. In 2022 stats, he is ranked number one, strokes gained, tee to green. This guy has got a tremendous game. And I, I had to slap myself on the face quite a few times to really go with this pick because I got frustrated with him last year. But just going back to the stat angle to close out, he's ranked number three, strokes gained approach. Think you need it this week. Driving accuracy, definitely a premium on that. Ranked 14th and ranked number four, strokes gain total and GIR. Now, if he brings all of that 2022 current season form and stats to this new place in Abu Dhabi, this tall, bustling Austrian Bernd Wiesberger could have a big week. And he's a decent price at 30 to 1. I would have liked a little bit more on him, but 30 to 1 I'll take. And he is my second pick. Do you know what's the worst game show ever? You started off saying, see if you can guess who it is. I think you're I going through. <laughs> and I was all the way through. And then it's when it's Bern Wiesberger. It's like, all right, okay. All right. Do I win a prize for not even having a guess? Oh, but, I yeah. It, I think it's early stages dementia setting in Craig. I forgot already, <laughs> didn't I? So it's. <laughs> well, do you know what? You got your own question right. So well done. It is Bern Weisberger. Yeah. Yeah. He's a do you see that? He was practicing the other day. Um he got a hole in one, didn't he? Did he? What here? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was oh, I don't know if it was at Yaz Links, but he was practicing somewhere over in the UAE, um, getting some game time in and um shot a hole in one. Wicked. So so he's obviously striking it well. So let's keep that going throughout this week. Bern Wiesberger. Uh, nice pick. What price was he? 30 to 1. 30 to 1. A bit skinny, but there you go. Um, right, my next player needs no introduction. Ian Potter. Now, he does need an introduction because he is a legend. He's a superstar. He's All right, he's not a superstar in the sense that he's, he's won majors and what have you, but... He is a superstar of the game. He's a great name. He's a great character in the game of golf. He's a Ryder Cup legend. Ian Poulter, for me, started to play some lovely golf towards the end of the year. You know, he was was really in the groove. I thought he was striking it as well as he has done for a number of years. And I just think he's getting to that time of his life where he's enjoying his golf. Obviously, got his son growing up. Oh, you know, all his children obviously growing up because that's what they do. But, you know, they're getting involved in golf and he's getting involved in their game and he's he's enjoying life. He's loving it. Um, you know, even when he wasn't playing in the the events where Tiger and um, Charlie Woods were playing in, um, was it the PNC or whatever? Yeah. Um, they weren't playing. No, they weren't invited, but they went and started practicing on the range and watching all the golfers, you know, He's in a good place and, you know, he's great on social media and we, we know a lot about his life through his social media antics and, and what have you and his TikTok. So, yeah, it's Ian Poulter. He's 45 to 1, probably a little bit skinny, um, but I think he'll enjoy himself out there and we know that he can play 
links golf. We know he's got all the shots. We know he's great around the green. He's got the ability to get those long putts on these massive undulating greens. So for that alone, um, I'm with him. And it's Ian Poulter, probably in some tartan trousers during the week. And he's 45 to 1. Yeah, like the pick. No, it's, well, yeah, I, I do like it. I think um, Ian Poulter is, has definitely got to start winning some tournaments again. Um, you know, he's probably coming in, you know, twilight of his, his career now in terms of the PGA Tours. A lot of good youngsters coming up. Um, but he's certainly still got the game. So, yeah, I, I wish him well this week and I wish your pick well too. Right, let's move on to my third and final pick. Yep. So, this, this one's a bit risky, right? This this is not normally me, right? But I've done it. And I thought, why not have a little bit of fun? Come on, you had a winner last week, you know. Go with a little bit of risk. A little bit higher value. 80 to 1 shot, right? Now, you're probably not going to like this. Part of me says I don't like it either, but I'm going with it anyway. Listen, this guy came back to some kind of form last week at the Sony Open. Was tied 12th, right? Eight shots behind the the uh, the two that were at the top, Matsuyama and Henley, um, but showed some real class signs of what he could play like. You know, he's had a little bit of reportedly a little bit of a telling off from his mum, told him to get back into the groove, get back into the game. Um, he so the concern with that is he's travelling from Hawaii over here, maybe a little bit of jet lag. Same for some players. But he was a tied fifth at the Dunhill Links 2018. He was tied 23rd, Dunhill Links 2019. And he was tied 14th last season in the wind. So I think there's maybe a little bit of form there in terms of Linksy type conditions. He has played well in the past in the UAE. Um, but last week's performance, shooting a 63, 65, 68, and 69, as I say, to finish tied 12th. How Tong Lee, 80 to 1. This lad, I think, has probably got a little bit of his mojo back. And I like the price, and that's what enticed me. Yeah, well, he's he's a big... I think, you know, if it wasn't for last week, and this is probably a, a obvious comment, he would, you know, he'd be a lot bigger than, than that. And I think Bucky's... If it wasn't for last are... week, I wouldn't have picked him. Well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. But Bucky's, you know, obviously know his talents. Um, odds, like, you know, they know that he can play golf. It's quite simple. He, he is a talent. He has disappeared from the world stage for a bit and he's missed God knows how many cuts. I hope you're right. I hope he does give you a run for your money. Um, I've got it. I don't know. It's... Um, it's going to be interesting to say the least, but yeah, yeah there's def- a nagging doubt there. Listen, yeah. I'm not going to, no, of course, I'm but he did play deny well. you that view or disagree with you. Cause he I've did got play that well last, last week. Yeah. He that's did. 63. Yeah. He shot in the six in the first round and then backed it up with a 65. You think, Oh, hello. He hello. Is, he could be back. Yeah. So, okay. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I will support him as always. Um, no, absolutely. Like any of your picks, but yeah, interesting that's good. So, though, Craig, it's like, I'm what? surprised you've, um, you've left your, um, golf love out of your picks in Mr. Burmester at a 40 to one shot, you know, especially considering you think he's going to play, you know, he's going to perform well at St. Andrews. He's going to win the open. Um, you know, he's, he's not in your stable this week. Why is that? Birmingham. Birmingham. I, yeah, I love him. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I, we do our stats and do our research and you come up and you look at that. Of course, I just, I, I don't think this course will suit him, to be honest with you. I don't think, if I'm truly honest, I don't think he's a good enough putter on big greens, on large greens. Yeah, I did say he'd win the Open at St. Andrews. Um, but that was because the way he struck the ball at St. Andrews um, in the Dunhill Links last year. Um, yeah, I, he was very close to going on my list and I might have a little sneaky bet on him. On the side, you know, a little bit starts out first, maybe a little bit of D, a little bit of Burmester on the side, if you know what I mean, Marlene. (laughs) So, yeah, it's you know, yeah, he's great, and I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna enjoy watching him play golf because I love the guy. Um, but yeah, he's not one of my picks. I like a lot of golfers, you know, Bryson DeChambeau. I love Bryson, he's not even playing this week, so I can't pick him, but there you go. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, it's 
it's one of those it's one of those things it's um i just looked at the players that i thought would really appreciate this golf course after what i've seen of it only on video um so it'll be interesting. I hope he goes and plays well because I just back up my theory about him um, having a great chance, eighty to one for the Open at St Andrews. Get on now, anti post. <laughs> right, okay. So there's three picks each. Let's remind the listeners to who they were. Mine were Shane Lowry twenty to one, Danny Willett sixty six to one, and Ian James Poulter forty five to one. And yours were. Mine were Tyrrell Hatton, 22 to 1, Bernd Wiesberger, 30 to 1, and Hao Tong Lee, 80 to 1. Super. Well, without further ado, that rounds up the latest episode of Bros and Birdies, the golf podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Next week, we'll be previewing the farmers from Torrey Pines in San Diego, California. And in Dubai, we're at the Emirates Golf Club for the by desert classic so from me it's goodbye and from me it's goodbye too please give us a like on all the podcast platforms go on social media you can see what our bets look like whether we're doing the without markets have a look at what we're going for give us a follow tell your friends to listen to us subscribe download enjoy it but have fun and we'll see you next week on Bros and Birdies.